comes. Here. And watch out! He's got Wow! Point, because there's a 6% slope, 50 feet. So right now it will gather speed. Good weight. A two footer. Oh my goodness. All the way! Can you believe that? Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back. Episode 29 of the Walk It In podcast. We are back from the open. We're back stateside for the PGA Tour. And Colin Morikawa has two major championships on his belt. And it was one performance, Mark, that I... It's hard to put into words how impressive his Sunday was. Yeah. At Royal St. George's. It was unbelievable. His first open start. After the Scottish last week saying he doesn't, he can't figure out how to hit off this turf. He's changing irons in his bag and he comes out and wins his second major by not posting a bogey in the final round. And I believe it was Justin Ray that had the stat about that first ever to win his first two with no bogeys in the final Mm -hmm. round. Like, that's that's go out and win it shit. That's go yeah. out and get it done. Absolutely. Because especially the way Spieth started, first of all, the way Spieth ended round three with that two-foot par miss on, uh, on 18. And then oh, crushing. Two, I think he was two over through six in round four. And then you're just basically wondering Usti or Morikawa at that point. And Morikawa obviously took it Usti faded a little bit um mm-hmm. and and rom kind of hung around but morikawa went and grabbed that thing grabbed it man like i wonder going back to his comments uh about not feeling great on the turf and everything i wonder if he was just driving the number down that so was- that maybe <laughs> he and his team can hammer it that's right there's gotta be so many people who were just licking their chops like Oh yeah, sure. Sure. You can't hit your irons, whatever you say, man, most prolific ball striker on tour. And he proved it. And I think you know, the other thing that stood out to me though, beyond the irons was the putter too. Well, like I was just going to say that has to be the storyline. We, right. you and I shared that graphic that they put up on TV that he's 124th. I think it was in total putting coming into this. Yeah. First in putting at the open. Like yeah. if, if Colin Morikawa, we talked about this many times. We talked about this after his PGA win. We've talked about this um, after his earlier win this season. But if he can get it even somewhat together with his putter, there may not be a better golfer on tour. Well, and, and I agree with that take, which is a not even spicy, like medium oh, hot take. He's a, he's, he's that good. He's that good in every other aspect. He's he's not the longest hitter, right? But he's deadly accurate, incredibly and accurate. We've talked about the we've talked about length ad nauseum here, and how really you can't make courses too long for players anymore. Right? Like, it doesn't matter if you're 150th in the world in driving distance or 200th in the world in driving distance. Like you can still compete on these courses. Um, and basically they're the course's defenses end up being the greens or the thickness of the rough or the, um, the width of the fairways or the weather, if you're the open, right. I mean, so his driving distance is clearly not an issue, right? It's always been the putter. Right. And you say always, he says he's been on tour for like seven minutes, but (laughs) if he has his putter working remotely, um, See ya. 
Sia. Right. Who, I mean, who can beat there's him? A handful of people, you know, DJ, Rom. Sure. That's it. But I think the thing too with Morikawa that goes beyond what's in the bag for me is that he is so wise beyond his years and such a steady presence. Yeah. He's composed like, as hell. Right. You know, we we talk a lot on this podcast, especially about what do the statistics say? What do the numbers say? For Morikawa, what's between his ears might be the most impressive thing about him. Not only how he speaks and carries himself at the age that he is, even with the success and notoriety that he has, but in pressure moments, man, like it doesn't, it does not phase him. The fact that he didn't bogey a single hole on what was a benign weather day, let's call it what it is. We'll talk about that. But but. pressure is pressure in a major championship pressure is, is, and it's not like he wasn't getting heat from speed. Speed charged multiple Mm -hmm. times. There was a, there was a point where uh, I forget the exact um, block of holes, but he was six under in, in an eight hole stretch. Yeah. On a Sunday at a major yeah. with Speed's pedigree, it's like, holy shit, Speed's going to do this. Here he comes. Yeah. Right. The train is rolling in the station, but Morikawa wasn't having it. And I think there was a couple, I want to say at least two par putts that he made outside of probably eight feet that mm-hmm. that you would think in certain cases, especially with his typical putter, he wouldn't make. But I have a thought, and, and I think this actually is worth just sort of bookmarking for for next year. And and I think it's primarily applicable to the open, but I think Morikawa really benefited from putting on slower greens. I think he can be more aggressive and less defensive. And I have this theory that batter, batter, worse putters don't have as much, don't have as much. It's not just spelling folks. It's It's all all grammar. It's all, it's all simple English. Can't, can't make it work. It's the idea that you can be more aggressive and you don't have to worry so much about lines. I mean, again, I'm sure the greens are still fast. I think the stint meter runs at about 10 typical tournaments for majors are like 13, 14. It's just slower because they have to contend with the wind. And I think that helps a a putter like Morikawa. The weather, well, the speeds of the greens are are, uh, one thing. Um, The weather made everything a little bit easier, but it also as a fan, you can disagree if you'd like. Made the the open, the British Open, lose a little bit of its luster. Totally does. I don't disagree with leader, you whatsoever. Leaderboard. This is not an indictment of the leaderboard. No, nope. not an indictment of the champion. You know, everyone who is in contention, the layout of the course, all that stuff was totally. amazing. But as golf fans, we expect a little bit of wind, a little bit of rain, um, and a little bit of carnage at the open. Right? Couldn't agree more. And that's, I actually like look forward to that. I, I've been, I, we don't I've get up at before. 4 a.m. for nothing. Exactly. I want to see a little carnage, man. Make these guys sweat. That was a walk in the park for them. And I think the thing for Morikawa in thinking about future open, open championships, he will continue to improve. He's 24 years old. Kid's a, a superstar in his own right for a lot of what matters week to week on the PGA Tour. I think he will struggle in future opens when the weather blows, because when you, if you flush irons, that's one thing. And it was a flushing clinic from Morikawa when the wind blows and it knocks the ball off the line, or you get a gust and then you got to chip and putt and scramble more frequently. That's not necessarily his game. He will win many majors. I question if 
Morikawa with his skill set as it stands today, if he's going to rack up a bunch of open championships, I, I personally don't think so. He will win many majors. I don't think he'll have a ton of opens when it's all said and done. Do you think though, because of how accurate he is, that that'll kind of be negated a little bit, right? A little bit, maybe more than other guys because his irons are that good. But I think when you get into weather situations, you can't predict when you bring the club back, if you're going to get a gust of wind while that ball is traveling 160 yards to the hole and it's going to knock it offline. And, you know, you're going to be pitching and having to make a 10 foot putt as well as he putted, you know, a bogey here. Speed doesn't miss a two footer on 18 on Saturday. You can play the what if game all you want. Morikawa mm-hmm. won. I'm just thinking looking forward, um, maybe not always going to be the best fit for him. If weather conditions are what they were this weekend, see ya. It, it doesn't matter. Morikawa is going to be going to be there if he's making putts and hitting it like he was. Gun to your head. It's. I mean, this is super early. He's 24. He's already got as many majors as DJ. Gun to your head, does he get double-digit majors in his career? That would put him fourth all-time. Oh, my gosh. Uh, wow, what a question. What a question. Four. Yeah, I mean, it would put him just behind Walter Hagen with 11, trailing Tiger and Jack. <clears throat> yeah, I do. I do yeah. think he's going to get double-digit majors. Book it, man. Like, have a spicy take because – for a guy to hit his irons as well as he does, as consistently as he does. We talk about other guys who can flush irons, but what do we talk about every week in our approach? It is who has the best iron game. Yeah, ball striking, GIR mm-hmm. percentages, strokes Boom. gained approach. That's Boom. him. Will he have major, I mean, and every guy has this, but like he'll no-show at times because the putter just won't be hot. Sure. Um, but, but I think, but now that it's happened twice in two different majors in his debut at those majors, no yeah, debut you'll always, you'll always expect that he can win at any, any tournament, any major, like there's no, there's no, yeah, his putting sucks. So he's automatically discounted and hand up. We talked about that a little bit. At we the totally end did. Of our, yeah. Our preview last week where we just, we figured his short game and his putting his debut at the open. There's just, we don't see it happening. Nope. Didn't. But now that it has happened and he's got two majors under his belt, there is no more writing him off without research. You know what I mean? Oh, totally. Yeah. So we'll, I mean, we'll see what happens. Double digits is lofty, but I didn't ask the question for no reason. Like I think it's within reach for sure. Yeah. And, and the thing again, that I think is makes it even more in reach is just his mentality, man. Like, you know, we see Rom out there and he's smacking his thigh and then Rom's going to win multiple, multiple majors in his career as well. But, um, Colin just, there's just something about what's between his ears that to me is, um, I wouldn't say it's killer instinct because I don't, they don't get that sense from him. Like, it's not like a, I'm going to go out and bury you. It's not a tiger. Like I'm mm-hmm. going to crush you. It's more like a, I know my best is better than anyone else's best. And I'm going to let that talk. And yeah. that to me is why, I mean, he made zero bogeys in his last 31 holes. Are you kidding me? I don't care if the wind doesn't blow. Like that's insane. Yeah. With a major I, championship on the line. So man, yeah, favorite golfer, like, geez. Crazy. Standing pretty hard for this guy. It's lovely. Yeah. <laughs> it was impressive. It, it, it made 
I mean, Sunday was exciting in certain respects, but like you said, we wanted the weather. We wanted the wind to blow, the rain to fall. We wanted guys scrambling for their lives out there. We didn't see any of that, but Colin sure made it memorable. That's for sure. What else stood up to you? Um, I mean, I, I loved our speed takes. I think they were spot on. You know, he was a... Wish a, he came through it. Totally. You had, what, 14 to 1? I had 19 yeah, to 1. Dog, dog shit numbers for me here in Chicago. I don't get this. I don't get this DraftKings number discrepancy thing but yeah uh, whatever, <laughs> we, whatever we've got some more we've got some more on that later we do we do yeah well, i mean he I mean, had john, john two, he had two egregious let's talk about speed for a yeah, one yeah yeah he had two egregious missed putts um in rounds two and three finished or started plus two uh through six holes on sunday and was still this close to getting it done i mean this as a as a better holding a 19 to one ticket and also being a giant speed fan. It's like, yeah, you know, that was, it was a tough pill to swallow obviously for him too, but you know, the, for us talking about and betting on golf, like that was, that was a tough one. It was, it was. And yeah, as big speed fans. Um, yeah, you're right. It was the putter, just a couple missed putts in, in bad moments. Um, and every guy can look back on that. I, I was going to, pivot to talk about Rom real quick, where like, if he doesn't have a pedestrian Thursday where you had the top 20 after round one, yeah, he doesn't have didn't, that. Didn't work out this time. It didn't, but then he shoots 64, 68, 66. He, with, with a 31 on the back. Yeah. Like again, and, and, and we should remember this and we don't really talk about in, in um, tournament betting, but Rom, in terms of like weekend matchups or a guy to come back from the pack to top 10, especially in majors, Rom is a perfect bet. He's done this at the Masters before. He always finds a way on the weekend to put a little charge in things, and he typically gets held back by a single day. I mean, Rory was kind of still is the king of that. He didn't do it mm-hmm. this weekend, but both those guys will have eh, lackluster Thursday, Friday, and then they'll shoot the moon on yeah. Saturday and Sunday. And if you got guys like Morikawa and Speed ahead of you, you, you can't expect to win. But, I mean, still a decent showing. Do you do you want to talk about Louis? Okay. I kind of feel you know, bad we can, it's played out. Yeah, I mean, he's such a nice guy. I best. love rooting for him. I would have been thrilled if he won. But, you know, maybe that's just, that's just who he is, right? Uh, as one of our buddies, Matt, says, uh, never the bride, always the bridesmaid. Mm-hmm. So, you know, that's just Louis. I mean, and granted, he he's won a major before. Right. But right. Since in the last decade, since you know, all these close calls, that's just kind of his his calling, I guess. And we'll see. Maybe he turns it around. He's he's one of the favorites this week at the three M open. Yeah. Um, I'm, I'm surprised kinda, he's still playing, to be honest. I, I know. I was gonna say I'm surprised he's not a withdraw at this point. Um, same with DJ. Both those guys flying back over from England to go play in Minneapolis. Like yeah. But and I, and know. decent paydays for both of them, even though they didn't win. Yeah, this that's just Louis, I think, right now. And yep. Uh, beyond that, I mean, like we see in almost every major, you've got a lot of dogs up at the top. You know, the mm-hmm. of course, you know, Mackenzie Hughes had a really good tournament. Dylan Fratelli had a good tournament, but then, um, you know, it's DJ uh, Daniel Berger was kind of a quiet top ten. Yep. Uh, can, can I, Hovland, uh, can I Shane touch, Lowry. can I touch on Scotty Scheffler in there yeah. too? I mean, yeah. he didn't have a great Sunday, but right. that is now 
four straight majors, T19 or better, three of them being top tens. Um, and it's really, it's been in this stretch, right? And Since you know what? We, Shame on me for not even mentioning his name in that little rundown. Because of dogs. Like, yeah. Because he deserves to be in that category. Yep. Um, at least the way he's playing uh, in these majors. But uh, maybe he'll, maybe his time will come soon. Um, for the most, you know, I was kind of pleasantly surprised at Hovland. You know, in the back of my mind, he's, he's still teasing us a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, but, uh, you know, Tony Finau, Paul Casey, you know, more major top 20s without a win or, or, or contention. Right. Um, I, I don't we, know. Overall, I loved the tournament. I thought it was great. I wish there was weather too. like we talked about, but it was, it still was dramatic. It was still, you know, really pleasant to watch it. Yeah. And, and on that note about watching it, I on Sunday had to step away for like an hour and I uh, put the open radio broadcast on what a treat it's awesome what a treat i mean <laughs> i saw I, I don't know if it was was tron somebody I tweeted was, it too. i think it was tc that and it was tweeted out it was great to it yeah he was like i'm gonna just mute my tv and listen to the radio dude okay so i didn't go as far as muting my television but just the way that they i mean the softest muffledest voice as the guy stands over his butt he's dressed in a white shirt like they're painting this picture for me i don't know if you could hear a single word i just said but like I did it was they beautiful. are whispering but with such drama in their voice like the fact mm-hmm. that they can whisper with the dramatic tones as a guy stands over a putt in fact i honestly think it was scotty scheffler putting he finished t8 well outside of the mix and i'm sitting there like is he gonna make it what's gonna happen and i'm like <laughs> freaking out you know and yeah. i had no money on on, on scheffler i just thought like man what a what storytellers those those brits are i loved it loved every minute of it it was crazy. Um, one more guy I want to touch on, and then we yeah, can please. move on. Yes, Rick, Ricky Fowler. What How a roller! Him? What a roller coaster week for him. Incredible. So, he goes. He goes 69, 72, Yep. Seventy five. And Awful then Saturday, Sunday, sixty five. Like, yep. Put it together, Rick. I know, man. Find four rounds, please. Like. You're looking at this like his Sunday card and his even his his Thursday card. You're looking at it. And you're like, is Ricky is Ricky going to do this? I said it to one of my buddies. Ricky Ricky's going to mess around and podium get a podium here. Yeah, well, F one finish. Yeah, up. there you go. Um, I I would honestly I thought after Thursday, it was it was well within reach for him. And then Friday Saturday he goes the opposite direction and then comes back Sunday when you think he's dead and buried with the yeah. 65 and it's like he leaves you wanting so much more it's insane it's it's oh this is a dangerous comparison but like oh, i feel ahead. the same no, i just i just feel the same way about rory like leaves me wanting more that's like the abilities are in the yes, bag but it, but rory, on a different spectrum i know rory I know. has been there done that exactly. multiple times and is exactly. far more talented you don't have to you, you you don't have to tell me that i totally agree that rory has we're talking about two very different people, but it's the same idea where a tournament finishes, especially like a major or, I mean, hell, even the Memorial a month and a half ago where Mm -hmm. Ricky finished T11 and you're like, dude, just come on, man. Just one, one complete week, one complete week. And even if you don't win, it's not about really winning for me. It's just put four consistent rounds together where you are contending. I'm getting sniffs of it. Like I, I feel like he's, close to like making it a comeback you know 
But he's in the field this weekend, 50 to one. He's in the field. He's not going to be on the Ryder Cup team. Like he didn't play in the Masters. Like, but he just tough year for Rick. He's sniffing around. Uh, He's, you know, not like his buddy Smiley, but he just needs more. (laughs) Yeah. Hey, real quick. I don't want to completely get off the the open train. We'll we'll get to our picks here in just a second. But um, I did want to shout out Seamus Power for getting the victory at the Barbasol. Did you watch? I did. I know I was fiending golf still. And, you know, I'm watching TV and, you know, it's late Sunday night now at this point. Uh, I think they played like well into like seven o'clock hour, eight o'clock hour Eastern time. Um, Six playoff holes, I think it was. Mm hmm. Uh, him and uh, JT Poston just going at it, but yep. first, I mean, first uh, tour win. Exactly, and it was, comes on the heels of eight straight made cuts. He had back-to-back top 10s. He had five straight T19s or better, and then gets the victory, and like that's cool. And I mean, sorry, but JT Poston kind of blew it down the stretch and like came back to the pack with Sheamus, but Sheamus got it done, so at that point, like, good for you, young man. Like, that's it's an awesome victory, you know, still in his early thirties, uh, but has made a lot of noise this year, which is cool. Yeah. Agreed. Do you, do you dare give airtime to the Bryson stuff and then the, the variable of, of Brooks making sure he got his media shot no, in there? It was expected. It, it was, is. you know, the, the first part of that, and we, I'll talk about it for like maybe 23 seconds. But I'm going to cut you off at 22 seconds. Okay. Bryson if you guys didn't hear it, blames his driver for how shitty he played on Thursday. Then his, the guy who caddied for him, the Cobra rep who caddied for him, the the previous tournament called him a baby and all these names and whatever, which obviously everybody agrees with at this point. That's 22 seconds. Oh, sorry. All right. (laughs) Real quick overtime. Then Brooks obviously has to troll him with a driver comment about how much he loves his driver. Sure did. It was expected. Again, it's still, you know, the whole thing is over, like we announced a month and ago. It is. And I think you're, like you said, right off the bat, the expected nature of it is just, it's boring now. It's right. boring. Exactly. This is what Bryson at this, does. At this point, is Bryson least uh, least liked? Oh, least now you're liked? struggling with English. Oh, sucks to suck, man. Is Bryson less liked than Patrick Reed as far as, U.S. Ryder Cup team goes, locker room vibes, the whole thing. Has Bryson probably? It, it is with it, it's definitely that way with the fans. There's no question. Um, but in terms of like the locker room at the Ryder Cup, like is is Patrick Reed sitting back and loving this fight? Kind of. I don't know. Yeah. Right. If I'm Patrick Reed, I'm like, damn, this is kind of good. Like I'm no longer like public enemy number one in the U.S. dressing room. That's true. I mean, it's not good to have public enemy number one and number two in your dressing room, whatever order you put them. But I think for me, Bryson, I liken this to when it comes to social awareness, Brooks Kepka has aced the test 17 times over. And Bryson is sitting in the equivalent of college level chem with a third grade education when it comes to social awareness. Yeah. And like at this point, it's just, it's what you expect. That's he's going to fail every test. Brooks is going to take every opportunity to smile and give his one line zinger. And everybody's going to post about it on Twitter. And then Bryson's going to apologize or he's going to course correct. It's just like, 
it's played out now. No, I'm, I'm so over, over it. it. Yeah, I'm over it. Done. I'm done. And I I'm need like, it's them almost to, be done. to a point where I'm not even looking forward to seeing his face at the Ryder Cup. Like, because I don't want that to be the dominant. Story. It's going to right. It's going to ruin the Ryder Cup from a storyline perspective. Because like, well, what about Brooks and Bryson? What are yeah. they going to do? What are they going to? Right. How are they going to be Stricker? Is this Stricker like, going to do? Yeah, right. And uh, our, the guys at Nalang Up, our, our buddies, they tweeted like. It's a it's a good thing Webb Simpson's playing well right now because I don't think people fully understand how much we're going to need a babysitter in the U.S. dressing room. <laughs> yeah, good point. And like, it's a really good point. I I would imagine Webb Simpson makes the U.S. team, but we're going to need some calm veteran voices on the U.S. side because, you know, we're headed for trouble at Whistling Straits. Totally. Yeah. I mean, if I look at the list right now, I don't expect Tom or Kyle to step up and say much. DJ's not going to give a shit. Then you got Bryson and Kepka. JT might, but he's kind of a potster on social media. Like, I yeah. don't see him really being like the let's mend the bridges, boys, and go out and win this thing. And Xander right. sure as hell Z- not. Xander and that. Finau makes the team. I don't know. But if Xander and Finau aren't going to say a damn thing. Yeah. Maybe Cantley is just like quietly getting in the right. locker room and be like, shut the hell up and go do your job. Maybe you just, maybe, yeah, maybe you just put, Kevin Kisner on the team. Yeah. And you know, that like brash Southern voice, like him and Webb could just be yeah. like, get your shit together. Yeah, exactly. Harmon, I'm or, here for business. Yeah. Say like, Kisner's not going to pull any punches, but no, anyways, we'll, we'll see anybody else for you this week before we flip over to the three M open. No, let's do this. Actually okay. su- surprisingly good field at the three M open. Yeah, it is. Especially for guys like DJ and Louie and Tony and others who are coming over from Europe, I think we all were just waiting for the other shoe to drop and them to withdraw. But so far, it's Tuesday night and they're still there. This could all change by the minute yep. we end this end this podcast or get uh, your wake up get your morning. bets in early just in case. Who knows? Yeah, especially because if those guys withdraw, your odds for some of your other guys further down the board will will get a little bit shorter. Um, exactly. Especially if you're eyeing some guys in the teens and the twenties. But beyond that, um, let's just quickly recap where we are. So we're back stateside. We're in Minneapolis for the TPC. Twin Cities, 3M Open. We got a par 71 on the card. Yardage, 7,431. Bent grass greens. Love it. Little Midwest. You know, is Minnesota in the Midwest? I think it is. Yeah. We consider Minnesota Midwest. For the sure. nicest folk. The nicest folk up there in yeah. the Twin Cities. Um, and yeah, I mean, this tournament's only been around for two years. Uh, we had Bryson and Matthew Wolf duke it out a couple of years ago. And then we had Michael Thompson, who won last year. So we've seen some bombers win. We've seen some, you know, guys who value accuracy shitty, a little bit more. Putters, both of them, Wolf yeah. and Thompson. No bueno. No bueno. And so, yeah, go ahead. Well, yeah. And I was just going to say, I think this week is one where, from what I've read, a little bit slower greens than normal. And if, what I'm saying about Morikawa is true at the open. Maybe that could play out again this week. That's a possibility. Right. Accurate, long. Um, water you know, in I, play, 14 of 18 holes. Yeah, there's you know, there's there's a lot of water, but if you avoid it. The it, land of the lakes, man. They got to have water on this like course. It, could be, it looks like it could be a pretty easy course, right? As sure. evident by, you know, Michael Thompson and, and Matt Wolf going near 20 under. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, I. I don't know. I, I'm not going to focus on putting this week much just because of Wolf and Thompson, um, you know, and how they won. Um, I'm definitely going to be targeting uh, 
length a little bit just because of the hazards that are in play that they can kind of take out of play with their length. Mm -hmm. Par five scoring. Um, if they can eagle and birdie the par fives, they're going to be well on their way to, you know, that 20 number, 20 under mark. Mm-hmm. Um, accuracy, of course, as always, ball strikers yep. paradise. Love I'm it. Yeah. Uh, there's a, there are a couple guys on my card that are the definition of ball strikers that one of them had a really sneaky good showing at the open. Um, and, and I'll talk about him a little bit, but I mean, that's pretty much it. I don't care about putting as much. Mm-hmm. Um, of course, if somebody is a great putter, then it helps, but, uh, driving distance and par five scoring approach numbers, GIR percentage, you know, the, your usual suspects for me. Yeah, I think in the, this is another tournament where like the usual suspects are gonna are gonna win out. Um, I'm a combination of distance and accuracy off the tee, uh, primarily leaned towards distance, uh, just considering some of the bombers that have won here. I looked at birdie or better percentage, which I think you mentioned, and then I really just I just kind of turned it down and, and looked at heavily at tee to green numbers um, at a course like this. Keep the ball in play, avoid the penalties, roll in some birdie pots find yourself in the high teens on Sunday and you're probably in the mix. So um, don't well, another tournament, not to really overthink. I think there's plenty of, of really solid options looking at some guys who have been in good form for a little bit of a run here. And I honestly, I liken it a little bit to Seamus power. Like the guy was rattling off T T T uh, top twenties and, and top tens, and then gets his mm-hmm. victory. And like, that stuff comes around guys in good form. They'll, they'll get it done at some point. And I think I took a little bit of that angle this week as well. And looking back to last week, I think it's important to call out Mark, even on the week, not, not a losing week, not a losing week. So we're putting it in the W column. Mark's major run continues. I'm pleased, I guess, with the week having speed in the mix. I didn't love Harris English's performance. Like he made the cut, but he just was pedestrian all week long. Um, I did get Bobby Mack, top lefty. Uh, he made a. You're welcome for that because that was a late ad for you. That was already after. on. The, that was in the consideration set. <laughs> that was in the consideration set. But You're yes, welcome. He he played really well. He did on Sunday, and 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 Harmon faded, and Mickelson and Higo missed the cut, so it all worked out in the end. But um, yeah, a little yeah. prop bet get me uh, got me closer to even, but I did not beat Mark this week, so I'm away and oh. leading things off. Anything you want to say before I? Before I take my first stab at this, go ahead. All right. I'll roll my first one here inside the leather. I've got a two unit play on Lucas Herbert, top 20, two to one. Uh, at this point, Lucas has already kind of made himself known here stateside. I think his last four tournaments, while he was cut last week, he did have a victory on the European tour, followed it up with a T4. He had back to back top 20s before that. So a solid run, not too worried about what happened last week and missing the cut. His iron numbers have continued to improve actually pretty dramatically. He's ninth in this field strokes gained T to green in the last 12 rounds. And I think his solid run continues. I'm going to play him at the top 20 for two units. And I'm probably going to have some more exposure to him here in the, in the relatively near future. My first play, uh, I alluded to a guy who played well at the open Emiliano Grio, uh, top 20, plus 150 for uh, one unit. Uh, Grio was sneaky, sneaky good last week. Um, sure was. T- T12, and for somebody who's not the best uh, short game guy, um, that was pleasant to see. Um, he is deadly accurate. 
He's um, one of the best ball strikers on tour, obviously. Um, T3 last year at the 3M Open. If he can putt well, we'll see kind of where you know, where he falls, but he's first in this field in strokes and approach over his last, uh, 16 rounds, 37th tee to green, you know, 55th in putting is not horrendous, but like we mentioned the, the last two champs, you don't really have to be a great putter to win this tournament. Um, and furthermore, I don't need him to win this tournament. I just need a top 20. So, uh, I feel pretty good about that. Creo's playing really well. He's really, really accurate and get one and a half times my money for it. Yeah, I, I like that pick. I was also looking at Griot this week and I noticed the numbers, the improvement numbers rather in his putting from last year to this year are actually pretty dramatic. He was 203rd in putting last year, which is almost DFL. And now he's <laughs> sitting right around average and, and that's in a sample size of a season, right? So, you know, he's, he's made some very significant improvements because he used to be on team no putt. He, he was yeah. cap, he was captain of team no putt there for a while. Love it. All right. I'm going to take it again and I'm going to go with a guy who we've mentioned on this podcast before, but might be, um, I guess you probably put John Rom and you definitely put Sky Scheffler in this mix, but Keegan Bradley might have one of the best mixes of distance and accuracy off the tee. Uh, par 71, we mentioned before, but I think for Keegan this week in terms of scoring, he did miss the cut at the US Open by a stroke. I'm not really worried about that. He is also notoriously a horrendous British putter. Open. British, British Open. Open. Yeah. Yeah. What did I say? US Open. That, thank you. Thank you for correcting that. Yeah. Different tournament. Keegan Bradley, the Open. Missed the cup by a stroke. There we go. Now we're back on track. I think this week for Keegan, his irons will continue to perform. His driver has always been a weapon. He's 74th on tour and birdie or better percentage. So he's above average. The putter will be the question mark, but I think I feel pretty good about Bradley being able to top 10. So I've got him at three to one for a unit this week. He's played well. He's yeah. Maybe fallen off a little bit of his heater that he was on in the middle of the, uh, I guess, late spring, early summer, but I think Keegan's got a chance this week to make some noise and uh, I'm going to be backing him for a top 10. I might as well uh, just piggyback because I have the same play only I have it in the double breaker because what a disappointment my, DraftKings is in Chicago. My odds like always are better than yours. Uh, I've got plus 350 for a top 10 and I love that play um, just like you do. Um, he is Fourth, I believe, uh, Keegan Bradley is in strokes gained approach this season, and he's sixth in uh, strokes gained tee to green, 23rd in GIR percentage. The guy's a ball striker, stinks at putting, obviously, like you mentioned. I don't care. Um, he is fairly long, fairly accurate, great blend of both. Top 10 seems very attainable for him, especially in this field. I would agree. I'm, I'm disappointed you got better numbers than me. So you're already teasing your uh, double breaker pick, but yeah, <laughs> dang, man. Good for you. Um, no idea what's going on here in Chicago with the odds, but I'm stuck with what I've got. So I'm, I'm going to play it. And remember lock them in. If you're feeling good about a play, lock it in because you never know. I uh, totally not, not that we're expecting DJ and Louie and other guys ahead of, uh, you know, our plays to withdraw, but even if they don't, Lines change. So quick betting 101. If you feel good, make sure you get, you're getting the best line. Yep. Agreed. 
I, I'm going to take this next one. I've got a matchup play. Um, two names, Lanto Griffin over Cam Davis. And I think the idea that I'm taking Lanto over Cam might surprise some considering Cam's coming off a victory at the Rocket Mortgage. But from a statistical perspective, things have been trending in the wrong direction for Davis lately. His approach numbers have sunk from his 36-round split to his 12-round split. Same off the tee. He's not the most accurate guy in the world. He would qualify as a bomber. He's made up a lot of his strokes lately in the putting category. So I'm actually betting on a bit of a flip here for him. And Lanto has been a little bit more of a steady eddy. Cam Davis can swing pretty wildly in any one direction any week. He can win a tournament. He can miss the cup by 10 strokes. And I like Lanto's overall game. He checks out well amongst this field. He's 22nd strokes gained T to green in the last 12. His approach numbers are improving. His off the T numbers are improving. His birdie or better percentage is right around average. I think the interesting piece for me is Lanto's not a good putter, but in his last 12 rounds, he has not been good. So I feel like there might be a putt spike here where maybe he finds a little bit of form with the putter, match that with his improving iron play, and he could be in the mix. I don't trust it totally because, like I said, Cam Davis can swing in wild directions. I'm getting even money, and I'm just going to put a unit behind Lanto. I wanted to get him on the card this week, and I think this is the best spot to do it. I like that. Um, my, I'll, I'll go with two, uh, two straight inside the leather picks. If that's cool with you, since I already, I already wasted a double breaker debating Keegan Bradley lines, but (laughs) my first one, not debating, rubbing it in my face. Yeah. There was no debate. Right. My, uh, my first, uh, or my next play rather is going to be Luke list top 20 plus two twenty five. Um, a lot to like about this guy, Luke list, not you know, a, a couple weeks ago at the John Deere, uh, he got a lot of pub for opening up about his uh, newborn and uh, the health of the family and everybody's doing okay. And he took some time away from golf and he's happy to be back and motivated again, et cetera. Finished T4 at the John Deere and he finished T5 last week at the Barbasol. He's sixth in driving distance uh, this year on tour 36th in GIR percentage and 13th in par five scoring. So I think he can really go out and get this course, especially given his recent form, his last 16 rounds, he's second in this field, T to green and 13th in approach. Uh, I just really like what Luke list is doing these days. I like what he's about. I like rooting for him all of a sudden, um, admittedly didn't know a ton about him, uh, you know, before two, three weeks ago, but, uh, now I'm in on Luke list. He's playing well, plus 225 for a top 20. I love it. Um, and then my next play is going to be a matchup play. I've got Bubba Watson minus 106, slight underdog over Sergio Garcia for a unit. Uh, reason I like Bubba, um, this is a course he can attack. Uh, he's seventh off the tee, 31st tee to green. He's got two straight top 20s. He's playing pretty well. He missed the cut here last year, but that's okay. If he can score on par fives, there's a couple of shorter par fours. Um, then I think he uh, can be right up there uh, in this field. Sergio had a pretty good showing at uh, the open uh, T19. He was four under. All four of those strokes were gained on Sunday because he was even through three rounds. Um, so it's not like he's lighting the world on fire right now and just coming over from 
the open while Bubba Watson had to stay home advantage Bubba, in my opinion. Love it. Yeah. And I think that's a perfect segue into my first double breaker pick. I'm taking Bubba to win at 35 to one. You've already outlined a lot of the reasons why I think his form to me mimics a little bit of Seamus power. He's been playing very well outside of a withdrawal at the Memorial he didn't play fantastic at the PGA, but that was in large part thanks to an 80 burger on Sunday. Outside of that, multiple top 20s uh, looks like five of his last seven top 20s. If you remove the WD, uh, or I'm sorry, five of his last eight top 20s. And I think at this point for Bubba, he's just kind of like you mentioned with Ricky Fowler, like he's sniffing around. He's had his moments. He, you know sadly fell significantly from the pack at the travelers when he was in the mix had i think close of five straight bogeys if i remember correctly and so to me i think bubba seems to be in a good place mentally he's talked a lot to the media about just being happy being out there and enjoying things and we've talked about other guys in the pga tour matt wolf being one of them in the past who have mentioned sort of battling that stuff tie it all the way back to morikawa who seems to be locked in between the ears i think bubba's in a generally good place I think his numbers back that up as well. And I think this is a really good tournament for him to go out and make some noise. So I'm going to take him at 35 to one, and I'm going to put a full unit behind that uh, for a lot of reasons around your handicap, as well as some of the numbers that I looked at. That's a strong, strong um, vote of confidence for a 35. We don't usually put a full unit behind that type of, of bet, but yeah, I'm, I'm, uh, I'm all aboard the bubble train. Cool. I love that. Um, My last double breaker pick for now is going to be a uh, top 10 on my guy, my new guy, Hank Lidiota. Um We've got some DraftKings lined discrepancy. Yeah, Chicago uh, for the again. win this time. I finally yeah, got a better number. Like Haley's Comet. You don't yeah, see it exactly. often. But my, uh, my, my DraftKings page has a top 10 at 4-1 to one for uh, Hank Lebiota. So I'm going to put a full unit on that. He's got three straight top tens now. He's rolling very similar to Seamus Power. You just mentioned kind of Bubba being uh, getting a similar vibe. I think Lebiota's got a similar vibe to Seamus Power in that he's ascending, he's peaking, he's rolling, he's doing it all right now. He's got um, a T5, a T4, and a T8 in his last three starts. He is... Uh, in his last 16 rounds, 16th tee to green, first in putting in this field. He's 24th in putting this season and 18th in GIR percentage. I know I mentioned putting is not that important to me, but it, it can't hurt if you're a good putter. Um, so that's going to help. And he played here the last two years uh, when he, uh, I guess by any metric, wasn't as good as he is now. He finished T26 and T34 in his last two starts uh, at Twin Cities. Um, so I really like it. Um, I might also be on some more Hank uh, Lebiota plays, but for now, four to one on a top 10 for a full unit. Love it. Yeah, my last one's pretty easy to profile. I've already talked about Lucas Herbert, the Australian, who's had a good run on the European tour. 50 to one this week. I'm going to take him for... Uh, I think I'm going to put a half unit on that bet might, might knock that down, but I think a half unit this week. Um, and I hear you on all the, on the Lebiota talk. Um, I'm, I might be right there with you. We, we both love speed so last week. We're telling the listeners let's, to stay tuned. 
I would say stay tuned, but I think you can read between the lines here and figure out that uh, both of us will be rooting for for Lebiota to charge on uh, on Sunday. If not, just coast to a victory that he earned before. You know, whatever there he needs go. to do, just get it done. Check out no laying up. Uh, check out our Substack. Check out our socials. Will you? Uh, we'll we'll have some Hank images up there. Yeah, Hank Hank's not going anywhere this week on the card. Those are those are locked in. Um, anything else for you this week worth worth pointing out? I mentioned Ricky. I want to be on him this week. Um, just don't, don't know if I will be, um, mm-hmm. but I want to be, I, I just, I want to be there when he wins. <laughs> of course. And not at my wallet's expense, uh, necessarily, you know, I don't want to just be throwing money blindly just because I like the guy. But if, if I've got a sense that he's putting four rounds together, or he can, then I'm going to be all over it because he's got the pedigree to do it. I just don't know if this week is, is where I go all in. Um, you know, Tony Finau and a field like like this is enticing, but you know, having to come over from the open, his history of not winning, I don't know if I, I want it, but but I did look at it and then we talked about um Louie already. Numbers a little short after all these close calls, now hasn't now having to travel. Um you know, I'm I'm probably gonna stay away from Louie. Yep. And I feel similarly about, about Finau this week. Like the numbers short, played well last week. He's historically played well at the Open. To me, I just don't think it's worth paying a premium for a guy who hasn't really played that great as of late, minus the showing at the Open. Maybe it's a sign he figured some stuff out. But um, as is typically the case, you, you won't see us near the top of the odds board often. There's just golf is hard betting as it is. Uh, I'd like to have some more. Uh, uh, and 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 it's a bit random at times. I mean, there's just a lot of guys. There's a lot of really good golfers out there. So you don't necessarily want to take the seven to one. I mean, Ron was seven to one last week, you know, mm-hmm. he charged, but yeah, but you that, won but on a that was a loser. To one yeah. ticket. Exactly. They didn't win. Then he lost. Mm-hmm. Yank first, you're last. Ricky Bobby said it best. Yeah. All right. To recap this week on the inside the leather, I've got Lucas Herbert top 20, two to one for two units. Keegan Bradley top 10, three to one for a unit. Lanto over Cam Davis tournament matchup, even for a unit. Mark has got Bubba over Sergio tournament bet for a unit. Grio top 20 plus 150 for a unit. And Lucas top 20 plus 225 for a unit. Double breaker picks. You are on Bubba and Herbert to win. Uh, that's 35 to one for a full unit on Bubba. Large play there from Jeff. And a half unit of 50 to one on Herbert. I've got a Hank Lebiota top 10 at four to one for a unit and a Keegan Bradley top 10 at three and a half to one for a full unit. And that will do it this week. We will be back again next week. We don't have a PGA tournament event, but we do have the Olympics. So we'll be back with a shorter episode to break down any betting angles for that. Uh, More Cowell will be representing the United States. Maybe he's going to add a gold medal to the already decorated career that he's had. But uh, with that, we hope you walk in the bets this week. Enjoy the tournament. And we will see you next week for an Olympic preview of golf. We'll see you then.